Thanks again to Samantha James for doing our gospel reading. If you were listening or reading it, it's only five verses long, which is a pretty short gospel lesson. Interestingly, among scholarly circles or in scholarly circles, uh, there's much debate about whether this is really the center point or kind of the fulcrum on which uh, Luke's gospel pivots from the beginning to the end of Jesus' ministry. Uh, I'm not sure that's fully resolved, but the fact that there's even a debate gives you a sense of how important those five verses are. Let's look at them a little more closely, because they are important. Then we'll also talk about sorting hats and green mazes, the Ukraine, and other things really important in our world and lives. But first, a couple of things about uh, these five verses from today's Gospel lesson. Uh, the Pharisees, who frequently oppose Jesus in debate, are not out to kill him, however, and so they actually uh, warn him that Herod is out to kill him. Uh, this is the second, by the way, of four Herods that we meet in the New Testament, kind of a family line. And, and what does Jesus say back to that? He has a wonderful response to it that, that is really a great put-down of Herod. It doesn't immediately seem like that. He says, tell Herod that fox that I preach, I heal, I cast out demons, and on the third day I finish my run or my course. Now that doesn't sound like a huge put down when you first hear it, but it, it all has to do with the fox. So in our world, as in that world, uh, what's, what do you ascribe to a fox? That they're kind of sly, right? And so tell Herod that sly fox this. But, but that's not the real power of his choice of the word fox. In, in kind of biblical symbolism, what, what animal didn't he choose? He didn't call him a lion. Lions are like a real threat. Fox to an adult, that's nothing. And so Jesus, is in a sense, is kind of blowing Herod off and saying, he, he's just a fox. He doesn't have real power in this world. There's real power that I will encounter in Jerusalem, but it ain't going to be Herod. So Jesus starts with this wonderful kind of reality set for everyone who's listening. And then he continues talking twice. He makes these allusions to three days, death and resurrection. So there's a lot of symbolic power there. Then he, he pulls upon this, this, this image of this mother hen who's trying to pull her, her chicks under her wings. And, and it's an unusual image of the divine kind of cast as a female, this mother hen. But as, as cool as that is, the, the power of the image is the chicks who what? Refuse to be gathered. They irrationally refuse to come to the protection of their mother and therefore put themselves in mortal danger. And then the last thing Jesus says, because in all of this he's talking about, about this world to which he has come, this world which he seeks to heal and teach, and, and they're not listening. They're like the chicks who, who aren't going to seek the protection of the mother hen. And, and, and then the last thing he says is, um, you're, you're not going to see me until it is said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So when's that going to be said? It's going to be said on Palm Sunday, right, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And the thing about that is, even then, even though people say the right words, they're still not going to at some level see him. They're still going to think that he comes as a conquering hero when he's actually a suffering servant. They're still going to think he's going to be, he's here to be the life of our party. In reality, he's there to offer a sacrifice, his life, for the sake of the world. So two years ago, 
almost to the day this weekend is when everything shut down, right? Uh, I remember we still had kind of full uh, soup suppers and, and Lenten services on March 11th, 2020. Then our services were about half full the weekend of the 14th and 15th, and then uh, everything shut down. And so now here we are two years later, hopefully coming over the crest of a hill and heading in a really good direction. And, and it's been hard for our world, and yet there are also people who've done great things in that two-year period great things to help each other, encourage each other, care for the sick, keep the food coming. Uh, in many ways, uh, the human species has been a disappointment, but we have also been really good to each other, perhaps at some level readying us for what now uh, comes upon us with the war in the Ukraine. Before we get to that, though, we need a little bit more theology, which will come to us by way of the sorting hat and then the green maze. So uh, start sorting hat. Uh, so this is Harry Potter reference, if you've read the books or seen the movies. Um, all these kids come to Hogwarts, which is kind of this boarding school for, uh, kind of a finishing school for witches and wizards. And when they arrive, they have a sorting hat placed on its head, which decides which dorm, which house they're going to live in. But when Harry Potter comes to the sorting hat, the, the hat itself is a little bit confused. It could send him to Slytherin, which is where all the bad guys, including Voldemort, the ultimate bad guy, go. Or he could be sent to Gryffindor, which is where all the noble people go. And the thing is, Harry Potter himself does not want to go to Slytherin, and so the hat sends him to Gryffindor. And I think on the part of J.K. Rowling, that is a great little piece of theology. Because across religions, including Christianity, there is a part of all of them, some more than others, that just kind of wishes there was a sorting hat that would make all of our decisions for us, that there would be, uh, in Christian terms, this divine plan. And in scripture, you'll find that. Um, the interesting thing, though, is you'll find uh, references to that mostly in, in the poetry of scripture, intended primarily to, to uh, ascribe greatness to God. But in the prose of scripture, the laws of Moses, the great prophets of the Old Testament, the parables and the teachings of Jesus, all of that points us in the different direction, that, that God is love, and that love doesn't control. God frees and allows choice, and at some level demands choice, because that's only how you live into fullness of good news, which is what Jesus is all about. And, and so the reality of our world is that we do have to choose. And, and, and other people are making choices too, and frequently those choices bump into each other. So what are you going to choose today? This gets us to the green maze. Um, I was reading this interesting bit of research that touched on a lot of things, but its, its primary symbol was a green maze. So think of just green lines going all over the place. And, and then a line right down the middle, which is the present. And the idea of the green maze was that the past is, is in this direction, and they're all, you know, there's the green maze, but there's a single black line that kind of curves through it, which is all the choices that you've already made in your lifetime. And, and, and by making those choices, you've ruled out all these other places you might have gone in the maze. Um, but then you get to the present, and, and the green maze goes into the future. In, in other words, maybe not all choices are open to you going into the future, but there are a lot of choices available to each of us for good and for bad and for everything in between. And, and so all of that remains possible for us, the possibility of choosing. 
So what do we choose in our world today right now? Um, COVID has tested us, that's for sure. I don't know about you, but as I, I think about the two years that we've just come through, um, the five hours I wasted the most were the, the five episodes I, I spent watching The Tiger King. What, like, why did I even start watching something like that? I, I don't know what you would choose as your most wasted hours during the pandemic. We all, for better and worse, made some good choices and bad. But now we have Ukraine in front of us, a scary moment in the history of our world. And what do we as Jesus' people pray for and do in this moment. And so now this gets us back to today's gospel lesson, this idea that, that Jesus was well aware that he was right in front of people and, and that they, we so often don't hear him and see him. We just heard him in the Sermon on the Mount. Pray for your enemies. Return good in the face of evil. Elsewhere in the Gospels, he talks about, and it's hard to hear, but you know, those who live by the sword die by the sword. That, that violence adds to itself and, and is not redemptive. That, that goodness and prayerfulness, that is what gives life to the world, and it's really the only thing that works. But he, he says that right in front of us, and time and again, uh, we as individuals and as a world uh, cannot and will not hear it. But that does not mean, you know, if that's the path we've taken through the maze in the path, uh, past, it doesn't mean it's the path we have to pick for the future. We can always pick a different path. And so what do we pray for in the future? And, and the more specific a prayer is, the better, I think. And so, of course, we just pray that the war in the Ukraine would end. It was largely chosen by one person. We all together can pray for it to end. And then what else would you pray for? The more specific, the better, probably. I, I, I myself am, am just praying that, that the sanctions work. Uh, because sanctions are what? They aren't, they aren't physical violence, right? And so you pray that something that's not physical violence that would work, would work. And there's been this amazing outpouring from corporations, from governments, from all over the place, these choices uh, to, to try and make an economic uh, response to what has been a political violent act. And we don't know if it will work, but we pray for it because it's not war. Uh, maybe one more thing to pray for. Jesus says, pray for your enemies. So, but he doesn't exactly say what that is. Uh, I think of, you know, the assorted sayings of what Sun Tzu, the, 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 the guy who wrote The Art of War in China 2,500 years ago, one of his many sayings is, build a golden bridge of retreat for your enemy. And, and so maybe in our world we pray for uh, you know, some face-saving way for Putin to get out of it. I mean, who really cares? It would be an end to it, and, and you got to provide a path out. Um, to pray for it just to end so that bodies and lives do not continue to be maimed, that's the most important prayer to pray for something that's not war, like the sanctions, to actually work. Uh, to pray even for our enemies, that they have a path to back away um, from the war that they started. These are things for us to pray about together. And, and, and prayer restores us and allows us to have perspective. It connects us to each other and allows us to problem solve together. And, and it changes others beyond our prayers because of the collective um, strength and courage and goodness that it evokes in people who are prayerful. 
this is maybe not anything any of us planned for, and COVID wasn't either. There are all these things in the past that, that all sorts of choices led to, and, and those can't be redone. But the green maze of the future lies ahead. We can choose to see Jesus standing right in front of us, and we can choose the path that he points to, the path to the kingdom of God. May we, in this Lenten season, a season which is about renewal and growth, and new seeds. May we choose and pray what? Wisely. May we choose and pray bravely. May we especially choose and pray together.